0: Well, at this point, I suppose I should say, May the 4th be with you. (laughs) Okay, Uh, as if you haven't heard that one before today. Whatever. This is the May the 4th edition of The Jazz Show, and my name's Gavin Walker, and we'd like to uh, welcome you aboard if you've uh, joined us for The Jazz Show, and of course we have over three hours of some of the very best in jazz music. We do this every Monday night, and um, I'm always happy to be here to uh, kind of line up the music and tell you what's happening and all that kind of stuff. And as you know by now, our jazz feature is first off on our show. Uh, We used to have it at 11 o'clock, but then I found a lot of people... um, have to hit the hay by 11 o'clock. And the jazz feature would go to a, a smaller audience. And I thought, well, you know, a change should be made. And we did that last August. And, of course, the jazz feature now kicks off the show. And I think it's the feature is one of the important parts of the show. And uh, so it, having it at the beginning is a, a good time. And I know a lot of people appreciated that because now they can listen to the whole jazz feature. And speaking of the jazz feature this evening, it's an album, was his first under his own name, recorded May 31st, 1957. The album is entitled simply Coltrane. Came out on prestige records, and it featured a hand-picked septet, uh, or a sextet of musicians, Uh, that uh, John Coltrane picked to uh, do his tunes and the tunes that he selected for this album, the six tunes on this recording. In early 1957, John Coltrane was 30 years old. He had achieved quite a reputation by playing with Miles Davis's band, Miles Davis's first great quintet. And so um, the recordings that they made for Prestige and, of course, Columbia Records uh, had become very common in everyone's ears, and the sound of John Coltrane's very unique tenor saxophone style was very much a part of that band. He had quite a playing pedigree before that time. Um, Mr. Coltrane had worked with Dizzy Gillespie, he had also played with uh, Earl Bostick's great band. And Earl Bostick was one of the most formidable saxophone players of any generation. Um, Coltrane learned a lot from Earl Bostick uh, because Bostick was a technical master of uh, of the saxophone. He played primarily alto, but um, all the saxophone players were in awe of Mr. Bostick. And his music was, uh, was more commercial. Um, more commercially oriented than most bands. And uh, Mr. Bostic was a very successful musician. So Coltrane put in some good time with that band. The next band that he joined was the great alto saxophonist that had been formerly with Duke Ellington. He'd left Ellington for about five years and led his own band. I'm talking about Johnny Hodges. And uh, Coltrane worked with Johnny Hodges' band. And um, that was a good experience. And then he joined Miles Davis, And, of course, he was catapulted. Uh, Miles was a a star maker. And um, everything looked pretty rosy for John Coltrane. But things were a little different in his personal life. In early 1957, John Coltrane had hit a brick wall. He was addicted to heroin. He was addicted to alcohol. His bad teeth and bad gums were giving him incredible amounts of pain and discomfort, which he tried to alleviate with the drugs and the alcohol. And he had just been fired by Miles Davis, um, showing up on the gig in a suit that looked as though it had been slept in, that kind of thing, being tardy, um, etc., etc., and Davis, who had already whipped all those drugs um, and, and stuff, his star was on, on on the rise, and he really didn't need someone. Uh, as much as he loved John Coltrane, he really didn't need that in his band at the time, so he let him go along with uh, another musician in the band. So Coltrane was at loose ends, he was very unhappy with his own playing. Uh, he had recorded, as I said, with Miles Davis. Uh, he also had recorded for prestige records uh, in kind of jam session contexts with other musicians, uh, nothing under his own name. He'd also recorded for Blue Note Records uh, on put-together bands. and um, But he was very displeased with his own playing, and of course he was totally displeased with with his life at this time. And he had befriended Thelonious Monk, and Thelonious had very much inspired Coltrane and gave him some very strong advice that if he wanted to be the musician that he thought that he could be and really wanted to be, then he would have to take care of some business and straighten out his life. Coltrane realized that the first thing he had to do was to get off drugs. And this he did on his own. Coltrane was, had been raised in a fairly um, devout Christian family, and he actually went back to that source for inspiration and strength and appealed to a higher power to help him um, get off the drugs, which he did, uh, and he was successful. He did it on his own with the help, of course, of his devoted wife, Naima, his first wife, and, of course, his own inner strength. Um, He also um, alleviated his drinking to uh, a much more reasonable degree, and uh, also um, was able to get some money together and have some work done on his teeth and gums therapy that way. And, Through that, he opened his eyes to a whole new world and uh, decided to really get into practicing the things that he already knew, improving his technique, and all kinds of stuff. And people had heard him after this kind of um, revelation that he had with his life and change, uh, began to talk about, about him, and word got back uh, through a critic by the name of Ira Gittler, my, my favorite jazz critic. Um, he got back to the owner of Prestige Records, and he said, you know, John Coltrane, he said, I just heard him uh, at a jam session, and he sounded so good, you wouldn't believe it, it's the same guy. And um, Bob Weinstock, who owned Prestige Records, said, well, I've always liked Coltrane, but, you know, I knew that I was dealing with a guy with a lot of problems and and Ira Gittler said, I think those problems are over. And he's sounding he's sounding entirely different now. His his sound is is together. His music is together, and he's together. And Weinstock said, Well, I always liked Coltrane, um, very sincere, very serious. And um, well, uh, I think I'll have a talk with him. And that talk took place very soon. And a contract was signed with Prestige Records, an exclusive contract. And, of course, Coltrane began a whole series of really great recordings for Prestige Records. And this was his, um, aside from his work with other bands, uh, such as Thelonious Monk and, and Miles Davis, um, these were the recordings that really put John Coltrane on the map, were all these recordings for Prestige Records. And this evening, we're going to listen to his debut recording. Uh, for prestige so this is the the whole point of the jazz feature and i thought i'd just kind of put everything in line so this recording was uh obviously very well rehearsed uh coltrane uh, prestige didn't normally pay for rehearsals blue note records did but co- uh prestige records were more a little more laissez-faire if you had wanted to rehearse your band you had to do it on your own with your own dime And Coltrane decided to do this, and he uh, brought the musicians together, and uh, obviously they had rehearsed before they came into the recording studio. And uh, this recording is a result of uh, Mr. Coltrane's hard work, um, his advancement on on his own instrument, the tenor saxophone, and his compositional talents as well, which we'll all hear on this recording. The people involved here on this record uh we're going to uh open with um, John of course Mr. Coltrane on tenor saxophone on trumpet a, a very obscure uh musician this is probably his only recording that he ever made he was a Philadelphia musician Coltrane was living in Philadelphia at the time uh, was basically his hometown and uh he Uh, recruited a young man named Johnny Splon on trumpet. And a lot of people thought this was a pseudonym for a more famous musician, but no, this is actually, this is the guy. And um, uh, a very, very good trumpeter. And he was a local musician in Philadelphia, and we hear him on this record. Johnny Splon. on baritone saxophone, a gentleman who had lots of experience in music, played with Thelonious Monk, and played um, various instruments, played great alto saxophone um, and flute. But on this recording, he's featured on his other main instrument, and that's the big baritone saxophone. And I'm talking about Sahib Shahab, great musician. His uh, original name was before his conversion to Islam. His original name was Edmund Gregory and uh, changed his name, of course, in his religious uh, philosophy to Islam and became Sahib Shahab, great musician. And we hear him on baritone saxophone. The first piano player, there's two piano players on this date, but the first one we're going to hear is Mel Waldron. And, of course, Mel Waldron, a great piano player who had worked with Charles Mingus, Teddy Charles, various other people, very experienced musician and excellent piano player on bass was someone that um, Coltrane had worked with extensively with Miles Davis, of course one of the greatest bass players, a young man by the name of Paul Chambers on bass. And on drums, interestingly enough, the first drummer that Coltrane thought of to hire for this date was Philly Joe Jones. However, (laughs) Philly Joe Jones had stopped recording for Prestige Records after 1956. And the reason he boycotted Prestige Records after 56 was that uh, Bob Weinstock had promised him his own record date, and it never happened. So Philly Joe said, I'm not recording for you anymore. And that was the end. After 1956, you will never hear Philly Joe Jones on Prestige Records. But he recommended a young man to John Coltrane for this date. And the young man is the youngest member of the legendary Heath family. And I'm talking about Albert Tootie Heath. And this was one of his uh, first recordings. And he acquits himself extremely well. And, of course, um, Tootie Heath learned a lot from Philly Joe Jones. (laughs) Believe me. And uh, he sounds really, really good. And he was scarcely out of his teens on this recording. Now... The second piano player, um, Mel Waldron, is heard on the first three tunes of this date. We're going to hear the date as the musicians recorded it in proper recording order. And the second three tunes was um, Mel Waldron was replaced by another piano player that Coltrane had become very familiar with because he played with him in Miles Davis's band. I'm talking about the great Red Garland. So the final two, three tunes has Red Garland on piano. So that's the only personnel switch on this album. So we'll begin with the tunes. And the tunes are... We open with a great composition by John Coltrane. I think it's kind of representative of the way his life um, was progressing at the time. And uh, he gave it a a rather personal title, and it's called Straight Street. That's the first tune we're going to hear. The second tune is a a very rare and very beautiful ballad. Uh, It's a standard, but it's an obscure standard, and it's uh, a tribute to John Coltrane that he pulled this one out. And it's a beautiful, haunting tune called While My Lady Sleeps. Tune number three is, well a blues, and it's called the Chronic Blues, and it's uh, the second John Coltrane composition on the date. Then we have the the change of piano player. Uh, um, Red Garland comes in now from Al Waldron on tune number four, and it's uh, um, an exotic piece of music written by another great Philadelphian musician who is uh, not as well-known as he should have been, Calvin Massey. And that tune is called Bacai. Great, uh, interesting composition. After that tune, tune number five is a wonderful and very beautiful ballad uh, written by Matt Dennis, uh, entitled Violets for Your Furs. And then the final tune of the date is written by Perez Parado and uh, Luna de la Fuente, and it's a tune entitled time was. And it's a very kind of a melodic swinger. So those are the tunes. And we're going to open uh, the people involved once again for um, the first three tunes. Uh, John Coltrane on tenor saxophone, Johnny Splon on trumpet, Sahib Shahab on baritone saxophone, Mel Waldron on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Albert Tootie Heath on drums. And for the second three tunes, of course, As I mentioned before, um, Red Garland replaces Mel Waldron at the piano. So here we go with the jazz feature tonight, John Coltrane's debut recording on Prestige Records, our jazz feature for this evening. (laughs) Our jazz feature this evening was the very first album, under his own name, by John Coltrane. And that was the beginning of um, a recording career that he controlled, and uh, the beginning of his relationship um, via contract with Prestige Records. And of course, uh, his Prestige recordings have all been issued, and uh, of course, they are a very important part of um, the history of John Coltrane. One interesting thing about Coltrane uh, is that just about every aspect of his playing, all the changes that he made over the years, his, how his playing evolved and so on, unlike other musicians, uh, everything was, has been documented pretty well on recordings. And uh, if you want to spend the time, you can uh, really hear the, um, the evolution of this musician. Even though he died um, at age 40, sad to say, of liver cancer, uh, he created so much. And of course, he's John Coltrane. What else can I say? John Coltrane here, um, on this recording, was uh, accompanied by um, a rather unknown but a very, very fine trumpeter, from Philadelphia, who was a friend of uh, of Coltrane's, and his name is Johnny Splon. And this is perhaps his only recorded appearance. Very fine musician, as you could hear on the, on the tracks, and on big baritone saxophone, the wonderful Sahib Shahab. And on the first three tunes, on piano, was the great Mel Waldron. On bass, Paul Chambers, and on drums, Albert Tootie Heath, one of his very early recordings. And uh, the tunes we heard, the first three tunes with Mel Waldron on piano, uh, John Coltrane's composition, I guess dedicated to his new lifestyle, was called Straight Street, and then a very hauntingly beautiful version of a ballad um, arranged by John Coltrane, and called While My Lady Sleeps, written by Gus Kahn and Bronislaw Caper. A very obscure standard tune, but very beautiful, and this interpretation was one of uh, Coltrane's first great ballads. Uh, Tune number three was a blues, of course, and it was a minor key blues, John Coltrane's favorite form, and it was called the Chronic Blues. Then we switched piano players, and Red Garland replaced Mel Waldron on the next tune, which was an exotic piece of music written by Calvin Massey, a fellow Philadelphian, trumpeter, composer, and the tune was entitled Bacchae. And then we heard a beautiful touching ballad by Matt Dennis called Violets for Your Furs. And the final tune was a very happy kind of a middle Uh, middle-tempo swinger, uh, written by uh, Luna de De la Fuente and Perez Prado, And the tune was a very melodic composition called Time Was. And again, another rather obscure standard. So that's it. It was all recorded at Rudy Van Gelder's uh, studio in Hackensack, New Jersey, May the 31st, 1957, and was issued on... Prestige Records, and the album was titled simply Coltrane, and it featured a very, very nice cover shot of a a young and, of course, very serious um, picture of John Coltrane, but a very, very, very nice uh, photograph. So there you have it, our jazz feature this evening, Mr. Coltrane. We have uh, a lot more to do. Uh, As a matter of fact, we're going to turn our attention... To the great, or one of the great editions of the Stan Kenton Orchestra, and play you something that I I played before, but I I always I know a lot of people um, somehow said, well, this is kind of over the top, and I don't know about this. I think this is great, and it, it kind of points. Uh, you you'll hear it's called Prologue. This is an orchestra. And the narration is by the great Stan Canton. And we're going to hear that in a very few moments, right after uh, a few announcements. I'd just like to tell you that you are listening to CITR on FM 101.9, right out here at the University of British Columbia on unceded Musqueam territory. We're also on the web, www.citr.ca. And, of course, this is The Jazz Show, and my name's Gavin Walker. And we have uh, yeah, a few things to uh, tell you about, and we'll be right back with Mr. Stan Canton and his music. Uh, not only are we going to play um, this uh, piece of music called Prologue, which was written by Bill Russo, but two of the most swinging compositions uh, that the Stan Canton band ever recorded their compositions by J- and arrangements by Jerry Mulligan. And um, we're going to feature two of those after the prologue as well. So uh, stay tuned for some uh, great swinging music by a band that wasn't really known for its swinging. But uh, this is great stuff, and we'll be right back. Whoever said money can't buy you friends obviously wasn't a member at CITR. When you become a member, you get the Friends of CITR card with incredible discounts on Commercial Drive and other
1: areas at Bone Rattle Music Limited, High Life Records, People's Co-op Bookstore, Audio Pile Records, Bad Bird Media, Band Merch Canada, Vancouver Music Gallery,
0: and Pandora's Box Rehearsal Studios. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or go online to citr.ca.
2: The taste of the classics with a twist. Join me, Marguerite, with Classical Chaos, Sunday mornings starting at 9, right here on CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver, Canada.
1: You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Honkaminem-speaking Musqueam people.
0: Well, (laughs) our weather. Um, It was kind of inconsistent today. It started out really good and then of course we did get some rain and tonight is going to be cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower overnight. Uh, This is a bit of a downturn in the weather uh, with a low of 7. It's going to be quite windy too and and, and quite cool. Uh, Tomorrow will be showers plus some showers They're There's a risk of that during the daytime, and windy as well, with a low of 7 and a high of 13. Then the the outlook brightens up for Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud with a low of 7 and a high of 16, and then some great weather coming in on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, etc. is going to be sunny. It looks as though the sun is going to break out. The nice weather is going to uh, return. And it's going to be warmer than it was. Uh, we did have some nice weather on the weekend, but it wasn't really that warm. You know what I mean? This this time of year is transition anyway. But apparently the temperatures are going to be quite a bit warmer. So um, up to 20, perhaps, Uh, is what they're calling for so it looks really nice toward the end of the week all right that's uh that's basically about it without going into a lot of great detail we just have to well with the weather you know we just have to kind of live with it right Uh, so that's (laughs) that's where it's at all right this is the stan kenton orchestra and uh this was the 1952 edition but kenton was always very modern very ahead of his time of course And, um, you know, you say 1952, it seems so old, Um, (laughs) and it was a a long time ago. It's not exactly, uh, 1952 wasn't exactly yesterday, but some great musicians in this band, and um, in the trumpet section, there's, there's uh, five trumpets, uh, Connie Condoli, Buddy Childers, the great Montreal-born trumpeter, Maynard Ferguson, uh, Don Dennis, Ruben McFaul, all the great trumpet players. And they, you have to be a really, really good musician to work in Stan Kenton's band. There was a lot of written music. Uh, not only did you have to be able to just read everything cold off the paper, uh, some very, very complex stuff. You had to solo. Uh, that was all part of the whole thing, and you had to sh- swing, you had to phrase with everybody. It was a great band. Kenton always had great bands. Uh, on trombones, uh, Bob Fitzpatrick, Keith Moon, the great Frank Rossellino, and Bill Russo. And George Roberts, one of the greatest of all bass trombone players. On saxophones, altos, Lee Konitz and Vinnie Dean on second alto. Lee Konitz was the soloist. On tenor saxophone, the wonderful Richie Kamuka and Bill Holman, who was responsible for a lot of the um, uh, arrangements in Kenton's band. And they both played tenors, Kamuka and Holman. And on uh, baritone saxophone, somebody who was with Kenton from uh, right from the beginning, a gentleman named Bob Gioga. And on piano, of course, Stan Kenton. He was like Ellington. He was a piano-playing band leader. On guitar, Sal Salvador. Another wonderful player. Don Bagley on bass, who could swing. And one of my favorite big band drummers. Well, one of my favorite drummers, period. Stan Levy. And um, this was a great edition of the Kenton band. So we're going to hear this piece of music. It's narrated by Stan. And it's... Called this is an orchestra. Um, the subtitle of this is prologue, and the the music here was written by the great Bill Russo. Then we're going to follow that with two very swinging Jerry Mulligan um, arrangements and compositions for the Kenton Band, Young Blood, and Swing House. And then, uh, well, we'll tell you what we're going to do after after we do it, <laughs> or before we do it, or after we do it, whatever. All right, so we begin with this is an orchestra.
3: This is an orchestra, a group of musicians gathered together because of a belief in a particular music. Like all orchestras, this organization is unique in that the artistic ideal is far more important than personal differences. These musicians for this instance came from all corners of America. The character of the music to follow is the result of their understanding and adjustment to each other. Some of this music is written, some is improvised. There are times when a musician will express his individuality and other moments when he will melt with the rest to create an organized sound. This is a cross-section view of this orchestra. Some musicians love to create sounds of percussion. They like to melt them with a melody. They have the ability to bring to life strong rhythmic swing and pour it into others. That's a rhythm section. Takes a bass player, ours, Don Bagley. Another guy, he loves a melody just as he loves a beat, a guitar player. Sal Salvador. Another, a strong, determined will, continued spirit, a great obligation to the beat. A drummer, Stan Levy. Some musicians are not content just to play an instrument in an orchestra. This guy arranges, he composes, he wants to be a leader. Someday he will. Bill Russo. A young guy, Keith Moon. Some musicians have a zest for happy excitement. This fellow has few, if any, quiet, moody moments. His trombone playing is an honest reflection of himself. Frank Rossellino. Very necessary to an orchestra is the constant presence of young musicians with their eager enthusiasm that are just getting started. Guys like trumpeters Reuben McFaul and Don Dennis. Uh, an orchestra needs good first chairmen. They're like sergeants to an army. They've studied, they know how, they help their men and they show how. Like our first saxophone player, Vinnie Dean. saxophone of bill holman playing now he represents a talent that is discontented with music of the present he's anxious over the future he writes he orchestrates too within the group of personalities that make up an orchestra it's also necessary that we have guys that are are willing to be happy and swing at the drop of a hat richie (laughs) kamuka Asset to any group like this is the presence of versatility—a musician capable of creating all moods. At the moment, warm, melting, personal sounds. Kind of Connie Cordoli. Within any group of musicians, you'll find men who are in constant study. It seems that perfection is not enough. They want even more. They're intent on achieving greater heights. Fellows like Lee Konitz. <laughs> ¶¶ Then there's a baritone saxophone, but in the case of this instrument, I'd like to be personal. The fellow playing here has been a part of every sound since this orchestra began. Bob Gioga, a great first trumpet player, besides his schooling technique and experience must possess wonderful physical stamina. They're sometimes referred to as workhorses. Meet ours, Buddy Childers. A bass trombone is the bottom of an orchestra. Wait a minute, George Roberts. I said bottom. That's better. A first trombone can take black notes from dead paper and bring wonderful life to them. Meet ours, Bob Burgess. musicians and we're lucky because we have one capable of stirring great feelings of fire Maynard Ferguson I'm Stan Kenton. I'm the piano player and I'm the leader. The guys call me the old man. They look to me for many things. A plan, final decisions, encouragement, and oh yes, another thing, money. With high regard and respect for each other's individuality, The ingredients in the variety of a group of personalities can make a music wide in scope, from tender soft sounds to screaming crashing Christmas. This is an orchestra!
0: bunch of pieces by the uh, great 1952 edition of the Stan Kenton Orchestra, sounding, uh, well, always modern. And it's from an album called New Concepts of Artistry and Rhythm, and uh, the Stan Kenton Orchestra. And of course, we the first piece of music we heard with the narration by Stan was entitled Prologue, and it's, this is an orchestra, and he kind of goes through everything and why... um, All the kind of stuff. So I I always enjoyed this piece. It's um, uh, one of those unique kind of um, concepts that only Kenton could come up with. And the writing on Prologue was by the great Bill Russo. Then we moved to two of the most um, swinging compositions, uh, written by Jerry Mulligan and um, played by the Kenton Orchestra. And uh, Jerry wrote and arranged those pieces of music. The first one was called Young Blood, and the second one was entitled Swing House. And we heard solos by Richie Kamuka and Connie Candoli on trumpet and um, Lee Konitz on alto, etc., etc. There is a birthday in the Kenton Band. May the 4th is the birthday of the great Montreal-born trumpeter Maynard Ferguson. And uh, in this band, there was a piece of music written for not only the guitarist in the band, Sal Salvador, but for Maynard, and it's called Invention for Guitar and Trumpet, and it was written by the great Bill Holman. So in honor of the birthday of Maynard Ferguson, I'm going to play you this piece, and that's what it's called, Invention for Guitar Trumpet and trumpet. Happy birthday, Maynard, wherever you are, and I'm sure that you're still blowing those extremely high notes. Maynard Ferguson was one of the great virtuosos of the trumpet, and uh, we hear his work right here. Some rather spectacular playing by uh, everybody. The Stan Kenton Band. And uh, that was a piece called Invention for Guitar and Trumpet. And that featured, of course, Sal Salvador on guitar and the great Maynard Ferguson on trumpet, whose birthday it is today. And um, what an amazing player he was. And, of course, uh, had such a long and illustrious career in jazz music. So I hope you uh, enjoyed that little... uh, taste of uh, Stan Kenton's band, and the fact that uh, Kenton always, no matter how far back you go uh, with Kenton, he always sounded extremely modern, and um, music um, always uh, complicated sometimes, and sometimes... um, well, what can you say about Stan Kenton's band? A unique and one of the great big bands in the history of the music. We're going to turn our attention now to Sonny Stitt. And uh, we're going to come down earth and hear Sonny Stitt on a rare recording. Uh, this is I have a lot of Stitt recordings. I, he's one of my favorite players on both especially on alto saxophone, but he's, we're going to hear him on the larger horn, uh, on these three tunes, on tenor saxophone. And Stitt was just, just an amazing musician. And he knew thousands of tunes. Uh, He could make up little tunes right on the spur of the moment, all this kind of stuff. Just an amazing musician, a virtuoso. And, uh, underappreciated in his lifetime, sad to say, but uh, now people are starting to realize what an incredible musician Sonny Stitt was, and an original one as well. And this is from an album that I uh, used to see on the, in the record shelves and so on. I never bought, and uh, I never, never actually heard, and I just uh, came into my hands today, as a matter of fact. And I'm going to play you three tracks from this album. The, the, the album is called My Mother's Eyes. And that's uh, one of the tunes we're going to hear. It's a it's a, a beautiful ballad, um, and uh, I don't know the composers of the uh, of that tune off the top of my head. But this is uh, this was recorded in Los Angeles when Stitt was out there in May of 1963, and it features all Los Angeles-based musicians. As a matter of fact, the accompanying trio with Charles Kennard on organ. Ray Crawford on guitar, and Doug Sides, a young drummer, I I know Doug personally, and a very, very fine drummer, and he was just a kid at the time. Um, these three musicians, Kennard, Crawford, and Sides, were um, part of a regular working band. They had a regular gig there, and Stitt uh, came in as a guest soloist to be accompanied by these guys, and it was decided to uh, make a record. And that's how this album came about. So, we're going to hear three tunes from this album by Sonny Stitt called My Mother's Eyes. And he's on tenor saxophone exclusively on all of these tunes. Uh, The first tune is called Summer Special, and it's original by Stitt. Then we uh, go into this uh, wonderful ballad, and uh, Stitt's rich sound comes out here. And it's the tune, the title track, called My Mother's Eyes. And the... Two number three is another Sonny Stitt original called simply Stitt in Time. So here then, Sonny Stitt with the Charles Kennard Trio. Mm Mr. Sonny Stitt on tenor saxophone, backed up by the Charles Kennard trio, with Charles Kennard on Hammond organ, Ray Crawford on guitar, and Doug Sides on drums. And that was recorded in Los Angeles in May of 1963 for Pacific Jazz Records, and the album was called My Mother's Eyes. And uh, all three tunes that we heard Mr. Stitt played tenor saxophone. It sounded wonderful. Uh, The first tune was um, a Sonny Stitt original called Summer Special. I guess (laughs) kind of dedicated to, uh, well, it was May of 1963 in Los Angeles. It's going to be warm, right? There you go. So um, the second tune was the title track, and that was written by a Two gentlemen named um, Beer and Gilbert, whoever they are, and wrote that beautiful tune called My Mother's Eyes, and uh, Stitt took a shine to it and played it as a ballad. That was tune number two. And the third tune was uh Sonny Stitt original, based on a standard set of progressions, and called Stitt in Time. Yeah, in time. Sonny Stitt, one of the great geniuses of the saxophone, and... Um, Equally adept on alto and tenor saxophone. We heard him exclusively on tenor on this album. And this was the first for me. I have lots and lots of Sonny Stitt albums because he's one of my favorites. Uh, but this is an album that um, I never actually heard until tonight. So there you go. And I thank my friend uh, Ron Hearn for making this album available to me to present to you. Sonny Stitt. My Mother's Eyes on Pacific Jazz Records. All right. We're going to hear a couple of um, vocals by one of the great ladies of song and drama. She is incredible. She can be very, very funny. She can be very damn serious as well. And... There was always a debate about this performer. She's a great pianist as well. She's a classically trained pianist. Um, Whether she is or isn't a jazz singer, uh, she is so distinctive, she is beyond category. She has her own category. And I'm talking about Nina Simone. And we're going to hear the first tune is a funny one by Nina and her uh, little band, It's called Forbidden Fruit, and it was written by Oscar Brown Jr. And we're going to follow that with a couple of tunes uh, from a wonderful album called uh, Nina Simone, The Blues. And we're going to hear a tune uh, entitled The Backlash Blues, with words by the great African American poet Langston Hughes and Miss Nina Simone. And, of course, that's written. Nina Simone was uh, a champion of civil rights, and uh, she didn't shy away from letting people know how she felt about things. The Backlash Blues, there you go. And then uh, the final tune is um, a tune by Nina herself, and it's called, I Want a Little Sugar in My Bowl. And uh, three tunes. By the great Nina Simone. So we begin with the funny one Forbidden Fruit.
2: everything was great till one day a boy says pardon miss my name is snake see that apple over yonder if you'll take a bite you and adam both are bound to have some fun tonight go on and eat Has said in the beginning, everything is free, except that apple, it leads to sinning, so let that apple be. But Eve got tempted, so she tried it, and as all chicks do, tease her man, though so he decided he'd just try some too. Go on, Eve! I hate to tell you all what followed. The Lord was most upset. Saw them making love and hollered, what have you to at? And when they made a full confession. The Lord says, hmm, I see. I guess I'll have to teach you a lesson about not minding me. Oh! Adam, have his kids and all, placed some labor laws on Adam, and he made the snake to fall. Ever since the days of Eden, folks been sinful, my, nowadays they're even eating apples in their pie. Go on Let you be delighted You always did it and now you're gonna get it. Did it Mr. Backlash Mr. Backlash Just who do you think I am You raise my taxes, freeze my wages and send my son to Vietnam. Give me second-class houses and second-class schools Do you think that all-coloured folks are just second-class fools, Mr. Backlash? I'm gonna leave you with a backlash blow You think I got the lose? I'm loving, oh so bad I feel so funny, I feel so sad I want a little steam on my clothes Maybe I can fix things up so they'll go What's the matter, daddy? Come on, save my soul. I need some sugar in my bowl. I ain't fooling. I want some sugar in my bowl. And acting different, I've been told Soothe me, I want some sugar in my bowl I want some steam on my clothes Maybe I can fix things up so they'll go
0: We heard three songs by the great Nina Simone, and we began with Forbidden Fruit. <laughs> and, of course, Nina played the piano, and she sung, and that's a great, that's a great tune, um, written by Oscar Brown, Jr., and done beautifully by uh, Nina, yeah, Forbidden Fruit, and, and her band. And then the next tune, of course, was uh, written by Langston Hughes and Nina Simone, entitled Backlash Blues, and that features some uh, great guitar work in there by Eric Gale, and the final tune was, of course, A Little Sugar in My Bowl, written by Nina Simone. So three tunes by this uh, great, iconic drama, dramatist, vocalist, uh, she's a person who is unique in the uh, vocal history <laughs> whether one uh, refers to her as a jazz singer i don't know uh what is a jazz singer that's that's a pretty open definition anyway there's a lot of um people that uh, that are um call themselves jazz singers because they sing cole porter tunes or george gershwin tunes that doesn't necessarily mean you're a jazz singer uh it's a little bit more to it than that uh, so I think Nina, because of her wonderful interpretations of not only her own material, but the way she sung, I think that she would be highly qualified as a jazz singer, as well as just a unique singer. She she sings Nina Simone music, uncategorizable. That's basically what I was trying to say in so many words. So there you go, Nina Simone, a short example of uh, of her artistry. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9, out here at UBC on unceded Musqueam territory, and of course on the web, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and this is, of course, The Jazz Show. Speaking of the web, there are two very fine sites that you can find out what's going on. There's there's a lot going on in in music around in Vancouver, various venues. And one of the great um, sites on your computer that you can go to and find out where the music is being played, by whom, and uh, all that kind of stuff, the times and everything else, is to go on VancouverJazz.com. And Mr. Brian Nation keeps that uh, site uh, up to date with all the gigs in and around Vancouver. And, of course, there's also other interesting links on that uh, uh, very comprehensive uh, website, VancouverJazz.com. And, of course, coming up is, uh, well, (laughs) it's going to be here before we know it, of course, is the Vancouver International Jazz Festival. Indeed, one of the most important cultural events in our fair city, and uh, it's huge this year because they're celebrating their 30th anniversary, and they have a very comprehensive website as well. You can purchase tickets on that site, uh, find out who you want to hear, when, uh, what all the information is on there, and it is coastaljazz.ca. And that's the site to go on to, and uh, you can make your plans for the jazz festival it's their 30th anniversary this year and of course the festival has been expanded this year there's going to be more artists but more days are also added as well and they have a lot of pre-festival things coming up too including the huge uh, lady gaga tony bennett concert Two nights at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. So, all of that information is available on their very comprehensive website that is coastaljazz.ca. So, there you go. You've got VancouverJazz.com and coastaljazz.ca. One more thing is my friend Ken Speller. Ken is a woodwind repairman, he's also a very fine musician. He's also a very fine music teacher. He did that for years over in Japan, very successful. Came back here, um, not only opened his own shop from his home uh, to repair instruments, he also teaches. And um, he's a man for all seasons here. He's one of the finest repairmen, and he does work from his home. He's located in North Vancouver in the 13th and Lonsdale area. And the reason for, that I mentioned that he does work from his home is that he can keep his prices down um, because everything is in-house, so to speak. And Ken Speller is a good man to know. If you have a saxophone, and uh, all these instruments need repairing and upkeep, whether you play saxophone, flute, clarinet, or whether you're a professional, amateur, student, um, the instrument has to be at its best for you to sound your best. So whether you need just a little tweak or a complete overhaul, Ken Speller's the man. He can be reached at his telephone, which is 778 800 1933, 778 800 1933, or you can reach him via email, kspeller, K S P E L L E R underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. K. Speller, all one word, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. All right. This is some music which is in the school of Count Basie. It doesn't include Count Basie, no, but it's all people that have played with the Count Basie band back in the day. And the music has a, a Basie feel because Count Basie, is, his music is a concept and a way of playing. And uh, these musicians reflect that. And it's, uh, this features one of my favorite tenor saxophonists. He was a bit of a misunderstood uh, man when he was on the scene. I'm talking about Paul Quinochet. Paul Quinochet had a style very, very close to, uh, the great Lester Young, but he was very, very different as well. But, um, unfortunately they, they tagged him as a Lester Young imitator and it, it kind of did a little bit of damage to his career. And, um, sad to say he, he, uh, his career kind of sputtered after about 1960, he fell into uh, obscurity. And, um, he continued to play, but uh, not. Uh, he wasn't high profile anymore. When he burst onto the scene, he's originally from Denver, Colorado. The kid from Denver, they used to call him. But because of his closeness in style to Lester Young, they called him the vice Prez. Lester Young, of course, being pres, um, or the president. And uh, Quinochet was kind of stuck with that, and of course the critics came down hard on him and said, well, he's just an imitator and so on and so forth. He wasn't. He created, yes, Lester Young was a big part of his sound, but he created his own language within that framework. And um, much like Sonny Stitt um, on alto saxophone, who was called an imitator of Charlie Parker. Um, That wasn't quite so either. They played very, very differently. Quidditche plays very differently from Lester Young, even though there are superficial similarities. So there, I'm defending the guy because I love his playing. And he was a very, very respected tenor saxophone. So we're going to hear Paul Quidditche leading a whole bunch of Basieites here, including Shad Collins on trumpet. Nat Pierce um, does a very good... um, he can play piano very much like Count Basie, in the Count Basie style, that spare kind of keyboard thing. On guitar, of course, was a, a Basie mainstay, Freddie Green. On bass, Walter Page, and Papa Joe Jones on drums. And Green, Page, and, and Jones made up what they called the All-American Rhythm Section. So we're going to hear three tunes from this album that's called For Basie. And it came out on Prestige Records, It was recorded in 1957. We're going to hear Rockabye Basie, written by Shad Collins and Count Basie. And then a tune called The Texas Shuffle, written by the late Herschel Evans, who was a saxophonist in Basie's band. And uh, the final tune was an Eddie Durham-Count Basie composition called Out the Window. So here then is the wonderful Paul Quinochet and Company. Well, we took a little trip into uh, Basie land for uh, the selections that we just heard. And this was from an album called For Basie. And it featured, of course, the leader of the band, tenor saxophonist Paul Quinochet, And he led Shad Collins on trumpet, Nat Pierce on piano, and of course the All-American rhythm section. Freddie Green on guitar. Walter Page on bass and Papa Joe Jones on drums. All of that was recorded in uh, October of 1957, and we heard uh, three tunes associated with the Basie band. Uh, the first um, composition was called "Rockaby Basie," and all of these came from the, the the Basie band in the '30s, and of course, uh, updated uh, the way these guys played, and. Uh, The first tune, as I said, Rockabye Basie, written by Shad Collins and Count Basie. Second tune was called The Texas Shuffle, uh, written by Herschel Evans. And the third tune was entitled Out the Window, written by Eddie Durham and Count Basie. There you go. And from the album For Basie, which came out on Prestige Records. We're going to uh, change the pace a little bit. I played a track from this uh, last week, and it's a very, very fine album done in Los Angeles and uh, by some stellar musicians that live in that city and are all, of course, alive and well. And it's led by drummer Joe LaBarbera. And uh, this is from his album called Native Land. And, of course, Joe LaBarbera is one of the finest and most creative drummers around. And of course, he's also a fine composer. We're going to hear two tunes by Joe uh, from this album, with Clay Jenkins on trumpet, the great Bob Shepard playing tenor and soprano saxophones, uh, Alan Pasqua on piano, and Tom Warrington on bass. And um, this was recorded in uh, Van Nuys, California, a suburb of LA, of course, on, um, in August of 2006, and we're going to hear these two tunes, Joe Labarbera compositions. The first one is called the Boxer Rebellion, and the second tune is called Sixth Sense. So here then is the music of Joe Labarbera. <laughs> The music of drummer Joe LaBarbera, a very creative, wonderful album called Native Land. And uh, these are all Los Angeles-based musicians, um, Mr. LaBarbera, of course, on drums. And those were two tunes, two compositions by him. And uh, he led Clay Jenkins on trumpet, Bob Shepard on tenor and soprano saxophones, and Alan Pasqua on piano, Tom Warrington on bass, and, of course, um, the, these great tunes, all recorded in Van Nuys, California, on August of 2006. Uh, the two tunes we heard, the first one was called The Boxer Rebellion, and the second piece of music was uh, essentially a blues, but a more abstract kind of a bluesy thing called Sixth Sense, the music of Joe LaBarbera. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM. on unceded Musqueam territory, right out here at UBC, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. This is The Jazz Show, and my name is Gavin Walker. And right now I'm going to present Mr. Corey Weeds, the former owner of The Cellar, and of course an extremely fine saxophonist. He's going to be featured on Alto on this one. This is his latest and um, it's on the Cellar Live label. And this is an album dedicated to the great voice of the alto saxophone, Jackie McLean. And um, and yet, it's kind of interesting because Jackie um, rarely recorded with a Hammond organ. Um, yes, he did an album with Jimmy Smith. That was about the only recorded example of Jackie playing with a Hammond organ. However, Corey chose... Um, to use uh, an organ-based band. This is one of the finest, including, uh, it includes Mike LaDawn, who is one of the great Hammond organists of today, and Peter Bernstein on guitar, who was just in town, and uh, one of my favorite people and one of my favorite drummers, Joe Farnsworth. So this is a a real cool, and this is a a very popular album, too. It's uh, uh, being played... uh, on various um, college and jazz stations in uh, in Canada, it's made quite a mark. And uh, as I said, it's the latest output by Mister Weeds, and he does a fine job with these guys and sounds great on alto saxophone, which is actually his initial instrument too. He plays great tenor too. He's like a, <laughs> he's like a little bit like a, a local version of Sunny Stet. Anyway, here's Corey doing two. Um, Jackie McLean compositions. The title track, Condition Blue, and the second tune is called Capuchin Swing, both written by Jackie McLean. Corey Weeds on alto, Michael Adon on Hammond organ, Peter Bernstein on guitar, and Joe Farnsworth on drums. Here's Condition Blue. <laughs> couple of great tunes from this uh, wonderful album by Corey Weeds, entitled "Condition Blue, and it's the music of Jackie McLean. We heard two Jackie McLean compositions, and of course, Corey on alto saxophone, sounding just great, along with Mike LaDawn on Hammond B3, Peter Bernstein on guitar, and Joe Farnsworth on drums, an all-New York rhythm section. And uh, the two tunes we heard... Uh, condition Blue and Capuchin Swing, and uh, that was recorded um, back in uh, November of 2014. And uh, yeah, Mr. Weed sounding sounding great, and it's an album that that is uh, getting a lot of airplay um, across Canada, and uh, deservedly so. All right, that about wraps up the jazz show this evening. So we'd like to uh, thank you very much for being out there on behalf of uh, myself, Gavin Walker, and the jazz show, of course, and radio station CITR. So that's it. So we're going to bid you good night. We'll be back next week with uh, more great jazz on the show. So we hope you can uh, come around and join us and check out what, uh, what we have to offer. There you go. So we'll see you in seven days time. So take care of yourselves and, uh, enjoy the weather. It's supposed to be really nice, uh, after the little, uh, in the next couple of days, it's really going to get nice and warm. And, uh, I think we're going to get a nice prelude to summertime. All right. Take care. Bye-bye now.
1: CITR, Friday afternoons from 2 till 3.30 for Radio Zero, where your host DJ brings you an eclectic mix of new international pop, ranging from the most fashionably disaffected to the brightest sugar coated music.